You know, we're feeling the stress, the anxiety, the uncertainty of what week to week is going to happen in our world. The news, you know, especially in the beginning, is coming at us full force and we're all trying to consume everything. Um, and it's, it's keeping us awake at night. This is Moms in the Middle. It's a show for busy parents who need a little help keeping their hustle in check. My name is Ivanka Osmak, and I have two boys, a three-year-old George and a three-month-old Blake. She's busy. I'm Melanie Ng, mom of a four-year-old named Josh. Now, we are still at home like many of you through this COVID situation. And this is a really great time to remind everyone, if you've got some extra time on your hands, we know how you can fill it. Why don't you come on back and listen to some of the episodes that we've done both uh, recently through COVID and also you can go back previous. We've been doing it for some time now. We've covered a lot of topics, a lot of them over the past few months, like managing all those relationships right now through this interesting time, your finances. Racism was a big conversation that we have had as well and how to talk to your kids about it because that's always something that we are also learning about. So make sure you're subscribed to our show on your listening app. And so that way it's easy. You're going to get notifications when we release a new episode and we always want to hear from you. So rate and review. One topic that we have been meaning to tackle during this pandemic is one that affects everyone, regardless of how old you are. So just tell us if this sounds familiar. Maybe you're heading off to bed, it is late, 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 late at night, and then you have to tell your preteen they also need to hit the sack. Maybe that little toddler of yours can't seem to get in the groove, they are full of tantrums, which is never fun. Or maybe all of that heavy news that we've been consuming lately has been keeping you up late at night, you are tossing, you are turning. Sleep has become one of the biggest challenges during COVID-19. So how do you get things back on track? Or maybe is it okay to just go with the flow? All right, that's why we brought in the go-to sleep expert, Alana McGinn. Alana is our guest on this episode. She is the founder and sleep consultant of the Goodnight Sleep Site. She's also a director for the International Association of Child Sleep Consultants, host of the podcast, This Girl Loves Sleep, author of This Baby Loves Sleep. She also hosts sleep clinics for companies worldwide, including more recently Warner Brothers Pictures, which I know is a very big deal, especially for her. She's got a long, long resume. I'm just skimming the surface. Her and her husband have three kids and they live in Toronto. Alana, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we actually have been talking a lot of the past few months because you've been helping me out with Blake, my newborn. Um, but this isn't just about newborns or babies or toddlers. This is about the whole family, including us, the parents, and how we're not really getting a lot of sleep these days. So what's going on? Why has COVID, the quarantine, disrupted all of that? Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely our sleep is taking a hit uh, during COVID-19. And just since we've all been kind of off schedule, off routine, and stress levels are high. And I think those are probably two of the biggest reasons why we're seeing such a hit in our sleep. Um, one is routine, right? You, you know, we're working from home, our kids are home from school. So our, our wake time normally dictates what time we're going to bed at. Uh, it really dictates the routine for the rest of the, t of the day. But now we don't really have that schedule wake time anymore because we don't have that commute into work. Um, our kids don't have to get off to school. So we're finding ourselves sleeping in a lot more in the morning. Um, and therefore bedtimes perhaps are getting later and later for all ages. I think it's safe to say I have three kids myself. So it, it, it happened over here as well. Um, and stress levels are at an all time high. You know, we're feeling the stress, the anxiety, 
society, the uncertainty of what week to week is going to happen in our world, the news, you know, especially in the beginning is coming at us full force and we're all trying to consume everything. Um, and it's, it's keeping us awake at night for sure. So let's backtrack a little bit and just talk about the idea of routine. So yeah, as you mentioned, not in school right now, people have different places that they're working, most of them all at home, unless you're an essential worker um, or working in some capacity in other places. Um, how important is it to have a routine? You know, it, it is really important. And and this summer, regardless of what's going on in the normal circumstance, summer routines tends to slide a little bit, which is understandable. A, our, our days are longer, right? The sun's out a lot earlier. The sun's out a lot later at night. So bedtimes tend to kind of sway a little bit. Routines tend to get a little off schedule. When we have that set routine in place, and when I'm talking about set routine, I always talk about the 80-20 rule. So it's not to say you have to have this strict routine every single day, but 80% of the time, Try and keep a consistent routine, both for yourself and for your child, because the more consistently you hit certain bedtimes and hit certain wake times, your body starts to fall asleep a lot easier, it starts to accept sleep a lot easier, and you wake up a lot easier in the morning. It's also great for our kids to understand what's happening next. They want that control, we all know that. Um, but when that routine is in place and those set bedtimes are in place, we tend to see less um, behavioral outbursts or um, any kind of behavioral um, upset um, because they now know what the expectations are. They know what the routine is. So we have been hearing this for a few years or more than a few years about how important sleep is, but why exactly, how does it affect us if we're not getting enough? And I'm talking about from the wee ones to us as parents, what does it do to our, I guess our mental health or physical even? Yeah, well, if we look at day-to-day, -day, you're looking at obviously impaired cognitive ability. I mean, we all know what we feel like when we haven't had that great night of sleep. It goes down to our kids as well. Our brains are a lot more foggy and groggy. You know, we're not able to um, obtain uh, information as well. We're not able to cement in things that we're learning. Think of our brain as that sponge, right? So we're not able to prepare our brain as that sponge um, to, to lock in all that great knowledge and information and memories that we're going through day-to-day. -day. Um, it affects our immune system. You know, right now, obviously, the goal is to stay as healthy as you can stay. So when we're looking at, say, the three pillars of health, nutrition, exercise, and sleep, we tend to focus on the first two pillars a lot, eating well, as we should, and working out and getting in that daily activity. But we tend to kind of not value sleep as important. And it really is. It's a great immune booster, a great natural immune booster. So if you're really focusing on healthy sleep, that's uh, something that we want to work towards. If we're looking at long-term health risks, so these are individuals that perhaps you're struggling from uh, poor sleep long-term, you could be looking at some really serious health risks like increased risk of heart disease, of stroke, of obesity, diabetes, um, and just how you're feeling generally day-to-day, -day, your, your quality of life that you're living. Okay, so let's look at your sleep uh, atmosphere. And I am so guilty for this because I am one of those people, I don't know about you, Alana, or, or Ivanka, but I am brutal for falling asleep on the couch. No, really? I love falling asleep. on. The, I love it. There's something about falling asleep in a place that's not my bed. Like I like curling in a ball on a couch or sleeping beside my four-year-old son, passing up next to him and then waking up at midnight and crawling on over to my bed. So not having the space that I say, okay, it's time to wind down now. I kind of just like falling asleep where I feel like I want to fall asleep or um, let's say my bed is covered in paperwork or my laptop or whatever because I've been working from home um, 
that it doesn't really feel like a homey space. And so how important is it to be able to kind of separate and visualize your zone as your sleep zone? It is, it is one of what we talk about sleep hygiene. That's actually one of the steps of proper sleep hygiene. So sleep hygiene are the steps that an individual can take to obtain optimal sleep. So the healthiest sleep possible, protecting your sleep space and making it a almost like a sleep sanctuary, a really inviting sleep environment is super important. And what we're seeing happening now is because we're all at home and we're working from home, um, our room is becoming kind of, our bedroom is becoming kind of the catch-all room, right? It's becoming, as you said, your home office, your kid's uh, classroom, your maybe your exercise room, your entertainment center. So we want to create that positive association um, and those cues between sleep and your bedroom so that when you walk into your bedroom, um, it's almost inviting you to sleep. So our our rooms really should be for sleep and sex only. We're only going to talk about sleep right now, um, but really kind of encouraging that um, consistent environment. So now I get it. It's a struggle because we are working from home. Our kids are doing schoolwork in their, in their rooms and logistically that just might be how it is. I get it. So what I always recommend doing is before you go to bed or once you're done your work or your schoolwork, really kind of clear out that clutter. Um, give that night table an audit. Um, really remove anything that could be distracting or keeping your mind off of sleep so that when you do then go to bed, your room is already set up for sleep. So I'm a big napper. I love the naps and I, I come by it honestly. My mom, you know, growing up, she would just take like 10, 15 minutes. I don't even know if she actually slept, but she just needed to get into her bed and curl in and um, pull the covers over for, for a certain amount of time. And that's what I did, especially when I was working because I worked such late nights. But is that not enough? If I'm not getting a full seven to nine hours a night, can a nap just do the trick? Because it makes me feel like I'm more alert when I wake up. So this is this is a question I get asked all the time. Is it okay to nap? And it's really dependent on the person. So if you are sleeping relatively well at night, you're getting in your seven to eight hours on average. That's the amount we should be getting. You don't have a lot of sleep issues, insomnia or anything like that. And you want to just take the odd nap here or there. That's fine. But if you're an individual who is suffering from, say, chronic insomnia, so long-term sleep loss, you're not getting in, you know, you're only sleeping maybe four to five hours a night, um, and you're just not overall sleeping well, we don't want to, because it's not just about the quantity of sleep, those 17 hours, it's also about the quality of sleep that you're getting. And you're going to get better quality deep REM sleep at night than you are during the day. So we don't want to rob our body and rob our sleep drive by bringing in that nap during the day, and then it's taking away from that sleep that we're getting at night. So if overall you're a good sleeper, a nap isn't gonna hurt. Um, if you're struggling with sleep at night though, um, try and limit that daytime sleep so that you can really clock it in during the night. Okay, so this next question, I love these, by the way. This is awesome. It's like rapid fire, Alana. Go, go, go. Hit me with it. Hit me with it. Um, but, okay, so obviously a lot of people are spending more time on their computers. They're online. The kids are watching, playing games, video games, whatever. Screen time is unavoidable at this uh, point. And bless you if you have been able to avoid the screens. I don't know how you're doing it, but I am not that person. Um, but I've always heard, you know, there should be a cutoff of screen time before bedtime. What is that sweet pocket, that sweet spot where you should put all the screens down before it's time to lay down? 
Yes. Okay. So yes, as I said, I'm a mom of three, so I'm definitely not going to say limit screen time because I get that entirely, but we do want to limit it at night. Um, so give yourself what we call tech curfew. So at least 60 minutes before you go to bed, you want to be turning off screen. So whether that be computer, TV, phone, whatever, 90 minutes, if you can do that, but I know that can be hard for some, but 60 minutes, if you can do it. So if you are that person where it's like, you know what, I don't want to remove the TV from my bedroom. Um, fair enough, but try and give yourself that tech curfew and pass that along. So be that role model as parents because our kids have to see it too. A lot of tweens and teens. Tech, in my opinion, is probably the biggest sleep buster now more than ever um, because, you know, we're home and we're on our phones and we're consuming so much. Um, so it's really important to kind of have that family meeting and really set those boundaries at night in terms of tech. So um, in my house, we have what we call a family docking station. My eldest is 12, so she just got a phone. So she's now being introduced into this world of tech. So it's really important for us to not have any tech in the bedroom, um, and she doesn't either. So we all plug in our docking stations in our kitchen. We all plug in. We keep it all organized. Um, and we want to stay away from not only the bright screen, because as you mentioned, it's kind of it turns that sleep switch off in our brain, but also what are we consuming before we go to bed, especially now, right? With all the information that's out there, with all the binging that's going on, and I'm guilty of that as well, but I really try and limit it at night for sure. So I remember hearing from not usually friends' parents, but friends of uh, friends' grandparents who slept separately. Mm -hmm. They had not only two different beds in their room, but they slept in different rooms. And I, I remember as a child thinking, well, that's so silly. They're married. Why would they do that? And the older I get, well, my husband and I went from a queen bed to now a king. So we do not touch each other. But, you know, the times because of my newborn, I've been sleeping in his room. We have a bed in there and my husband's been sleeping in our bed. It's kind of been nice because I get my own sleep. He gets his own uninterrupted sleep. Is this like heading down a disaster path or are couples starting to do this more and more even younger and younger? Do you advise this? Well, it's not something, it's not to say that I advise it, but um, I, I get it 100%. And you would be surprised, was it? I was actually on Breakfast Television when I did a, a segment, I think it was actually with you where we did a poll. Um, and the, it was so shocking because I think it was like 67% of couples said that they sleep in separate bedrooms. So yes, you would be yeah. surprised how many couples sleep in separate bedrooms <laughs> and and here's the thing what when we read articles on it you know the headlines are sleep divorce and right away you see that word divorce right but couples aren't sleeping in separate bedrooms so this is where I say it's not necessarily something I advise but something that I understand why couples are doing it um it's, it's not because they don't love each other it's just they want to have a good night of sleep so you know if your partner is a snorer and you're not sleeping well or you know there's a shift the shift work community is growing you know if you're sleeping on getting up at different hours hours and they just want to get in those those good nights of sleep there's more family beds at home too where more parents are sleeping with their kids you know so there's different reasons but there's this um stigma on it that it means the marriage is in trouble and they don't love each other that's not the case there was um a survey done uh 2015 um the homeowners builders uh survey in the united states that said more and more new homes are now being built with two master bedrooms I kind of think that sounds like a bit of a dream. Like, I would love that. <laughs> I love my husband, but like my own bedroom. Let me, let me say, because speaking of shift work, Alana, because, uh, you know, when I am not on mat leave, I work late night. And so I get home at about 1 a.m. And Mel, mm -hmm. you're going to bed. You go to bed a lot later than I would 
probably if I were doing your <laughs> shift. Yeah, though I'm still up at three and I'm the jerk that presses snooze even though I'm in the same bed as my husband. <laughs> so does he not get, does he not wake up or get, I don't know, irritated? <laughs> you know what he, you know what he does? He does the, uh, uh, like the grunt as in like, I'm awake now. Thanks a lot. But then he goes right back to sleep, right? So yes, I'm disrupting his sleep, but you, no, I don't go to another bedroom. Should I? Maybe, Alana. I don't know, but I'm not doing it. I like my bed. It's a choice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's a choice. There's no right or wrong to this. Is If it works for you as a couple, go for it. If it doesn't, don't worry about it, you know? But I, I think it's just important. Something I guess that I want to advise on is we should be more open about talking about it and it shouldn't be, there's, there's, uh, you know, again, a lot more people than I think you realize, probably even like close friends or family members are probably sleeping in separate bedrooms. They have an amazing marriage, love each other dearly, but they just want to sleep through the night. Maybe it's a way to keep the romance alive because when you do visit each other in the same bedroom, it's like, you know. There you go. You make time. new and exciting. (laughs) Um, There's something that you touched on, Alana, almost in every single answer there uh, was during these uh, times of this pandemic is the idea of stress Mm -hmm. and anxiety. Um, I know for sure, definitely in the industry that I work in, of course, for news, I can't step away from it. I'm always online keeping up with the latest numbers or the latest top stories. And it's one thing after another. And the very beginning of this pandemic, I I had restless and sleepless nights. I woke up, um, you know, every hour it felt like just, you know, like I was missing something. I need to catch up or my mind, my wheels were turning. And I know a lot of people are the same way, too. Um, with the news, but also, you know, they're thinking about their finances right now. Maybe a lot of people have lost their jobs or trying to think about how they're going to pay rent and whatnot. So there's a lot of stress. How do you or can you de-stress to try to build yourself some sort of sleep pattern? Is it possible without any sort of helper? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's hard. So it's not something, if that's something that you want to work towards in terms of lowering anxiety and stress levels and just, you know, uh, inviting more maybe mindful practice, mindful breathing, more uh, relaxing, calming activities. It's not an overnight fix. And I always say that because I think people put too much pressure on themselves to alleviate that stress. And it can happen. It happens with time and with incorporating, it's changing habits, right? So first things first, get tech out of the bedroom. We talked about that. So I won't get into that too much, but remove it. Set boundaries on what you're allowing into what you're consuming. And that's something that I had to do right in the beginning because I couldn't put my phone down. It was just, it was my way of kind of gaining some kind of control over what was going on and just I thought the more I read and the more I stayed updated the better off I was but it was it was really affecting my mental health so I said I stopped after two weeks I'm like that's it I check in twice a day find like you check the net well not like you you have to check in a lot more than I do but you know checking the numbers and things like that and just you know daily five minutes I have a couple of trusted resources that I check into I don't need to read everything I don't need to check in everywhere so set boundaries within yourselves but then also what can you incorporate at night? You know, if it's where there is um, a, a, a part of your life that maybe seems a little chaotic or unorganized with things that are going on, um, you know, when I say journaling, I don't mean, you know, writing out your thoughts and feelings, but just organize your thoughts. You know, if you have any issues or problems that are going in your life, what can you, uh, what can you kind of write out and sort out before you go to bed? Like give your, your brain that dump before you go to bed. So it's not swimming in your, in your brain beforehand. Um, and then incorporating, I'm a big fan of mindful breathing. There's so many different, uh, mindful breathing activities that you can incorporate that I really recommend doing so. Aromatherapy. There's so many things you can incorporate, but choose a few and stick to it and, and give it time to kind of, uh, work. 
and, and uh, flow into your life. It does, it's not an overnight fix for sure. And what about, um, I know we, we talked about tech, um, foods, drinking, caffeine. Should you be, you know, I've heard the, you shouldn't have any caffeine after noon or how many cups of coffee you actually should be getting or tea, whatever your caffeine of choice is. You know, I grew up with a, well, if you're, if you can't sleep, have a warm glass of milk. Right. Do things like that actually play a part in having a good night's sleep? They do. And I think now, uh, you know, another reason why we might be seeing sleep, sleep issues that are happening now is, you know, we're all, there's a lot more drinking that's going on. I think we can say it. <laughs> a lot more eating that's going on. I cannot be alone in that. Um, so, and you might be eating different foods, more carbs, maybe more sugars than perhaps your body's used to. And that's going to play into how well you sleep at night too, because it's just something that your body's not used to consuming. So making sure I always say at least four hours before you go to bed to not have a big meal. In terms of drinking a glass of wine, might help you fall asleep at night but as the alcohol leaves your body it actually um, causes more fragmented sleep so try to limit the alcohol right before you go to bed caffeine again I would say if if you are more sensitive to caffeine try and limit any caffeine intake um, from noon on so no you know cups of coffee in the afternoon or uh, caffeinated drinks uh, before bedtime so really watch uh, you know, obviously the best nutritional plan is more whole grains, more unprocessed food, uh, more natural food, and, and just not super big meals because we don't want our body busy digesting when it really should be busy on working on good, healthy, deep sleep. Um, and staying with that, the good healthiness is staying active as well. A lot of people are out and about, right? So I know, yeah. I know, Ivanka, you do this too, sort of that evening walk, right? Like for us, we do the dinner and then we do like a family walk. We take our dog and our son. Oh yeah, and my husband's there too. Uh, and we do the nice walk. And then I always think about this, you know, depending on how fast we're going, maybe we're going on a bike ride. Like, am I stimulating your, my body too much before bedtime? You know, again, is there sort of a perfect window of time when you should or shouldn't be doing things that overstimulates versus relaxes that's very individual too so some people can get uh almost more awake from doing exercise at night um where so they have to move it perhaps to early mornings or or early afternoons um but any kind of physical activity that you can incorporate during the day i think is so important especially now because we are not so much now that the weather's nice we're we're more outside but just now there's a lot more sitting going on i think than usual um so i think it's important we should be aiming for at least 150 minutes of vigorous activity per week. Um, so 30 minutes a day of getting in some kind of physical activity. Really our goal from the moment we wake up in the morning is to build that drive for sleep so that come bedtime, it's easier for us to fall asleep because that drive is built. And the best way to do that is by being physically active and, and incorporating in that physical activity. So whether that means a, an evening walk, if that works for you, if you have no issues falling asleep, then that's fine. If you find that maybe wakes you up too much, maybe incorporate more of a morning walk or getting outside during the day with your kids. Um, but absolutely, new, when we look at again at the three pillars, um, you know, eating well and, and having in that physical activity, getting in that physical activity is gonna help us sleep better for sure. I had, I had a real problem where I was waking up Again, my, my hours are shifted because I was working evenings where I was waking up at around 3.30, 4 a.m. every night, you know. And um, this was pre-kids, so I could, you know, I went and watched a movie or, or watched, um, read a book, and then I could go back to sleep. But it got to the point where it was it was happening so consistently, so I went and got a sleep test, and I did the overnight testing, um, and they found out that I was low in magnesium and low in iron. 
So at what point do you, do you, you know, it's not just a warm glass of milk. It's not just cutting off caffeine or putting your phone away. At what point do you have to get testing or you know that there actually is a problem that needs more attention? Yeah, that's a great question. So if you are, if you feel like you are trying it all and being really consistent with that, again, nothing is an overnight fix. So it takes 21 days to change habits. So if you feel like you're putting in the work, really trying to protect your health and putting a focus on sleep health, but you're still waking up tired, um, you're still showing a lot of excessive daytime sleepiness, you're getting your seven to eight hours, but you're still waking up groggy foggy. If you are a chronic snorer, and again, ask the person sleeping beside you, because often you don't realize you're doing it, or mouth breather, sleep apnea is probably one of the leading sleep uh, disorders that an individual can have. That's then worth having a conversation with your doctor, who would then refer you to have that sleep study done. Um, and like you said, it could, you know, it you could be, uh, it could find out that you have sleep apnea or that you're deficient in certain um, certain minerals or um, nutrients and and that could be perhaps why you're not sleeping well. One tip that I do give though because waking up in the middle of the night is a common issue and I, I hear it from a lot of people that you know I have a hard time quieting my mind and, and going back to sleep. It's okay to get out of bed, do a quiet activity and then try again. So don't feel like you have to toss and turn in bed and clock watch and that adds to that stress and that anxiety. Um, it, get out of bed, 10 or 15 minutes, don't turn on every light, don't, you know, watch TV and check your email, but read a couple chapters in a book or do a, a you know, a low stimulation activity and then get into bed and try again. And the more you do that, the more you're building up that is that positive association between falling asleep and your bed. Um, I feel like we've thrown every single question your way. Uh, uh, is there anything left on your list, Ivanka? No, I want to just want to thank Alana because I have been calling her and she has been calming me down, walking me off the uh, edge of the cliff because I'm like, when is he going to sleep through the night? And she's like, he's one month old. You have to lower your expectations. <laughs> so I am really grateful for you uh, helping me out and hopefully I'm on the right path. Yeah. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that rapid fire with Alana. I think we threw every single question at her that was sleep related. I know for me, like I mentioned, my biggest fault is not really creating my sanctuary, my sleep zone. I pass out wherever, whenever, and I'm also attached to a screen at all times looking at my iPhone and, and reading and it's horrible. So I think just to clear my mind and to physically clear this space is important for me. And hopefully, hopefully that's going to give me some better night's sleeps. Um, I hope. Fingers crossed. But maybe that's wishful thinking. How about you, Ivanka? Well, I, I was just going to say, before I get to me, you do have such a unique sleep schedule. Um, so I would imagine that it is hard for you to get a good quality seven to eight hours every night, unless you're going to bed at 6 p.m. Yes, and I wish I could go to bed at 6 p.m., but I, I would beat my toddler to bedtime is basically what would happen. So totally not feasible. But at the same time, I like when Alana said that, you know, every... Every body is different. Not everyone needs the exact same, you know, like it's not the rule of thumb is this, this, this. It's kind of like you can and adapt to whatever works for you. Right. And I know you you work the opposite schedule of what I did and now you're on mat leave. And so I'm sure your your sleep is all out the window. Yeah, it is. I mean, we're, we're kind of reaching that mark where uh, Blake can start being sleep trained and sleeping through the night. So I'm hoping that it will get back on track. And the thing is for me is routine and keeping it with my sons, even in the middle of summer, because, 
you know, it's it's still light out at 9 p.m., but that doesn't mean that bedtime shouldn't be until 9 p.m. And it should be, you know, delayed for a couple of hours, even though we want to have late summer dinners outside. Um, I still want to keep to a schedule because I just I can notice it in myself. Therefore, I can notice it in uh, George if he doesn't get a good night's sleep. We may not see it right the next day, but he will definitely be cranky later on. So I think sticking to a routine, and even though that means that we might have to shut down some summer fun a bit early, um, we're going to do that. So that's my biggest takeaway from Alana. Uh, Hey, everyone. We always want to thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you coming. to our podcast because we enjoy doing it. We always, of course, want to hear what you have to say. So don't be afraid to rate and review wherever you get the podcast. And we always want to continue the conversation. So you can reach us on Twitter at Frequency Pods, also at our website, FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com, or we always love Instagram. So go to our page at Moms in the Middle Podcast. Absolutely. As always, this episode was produced by the wonderful Stephanie Phillips, who's been doing this in the middle of a move. So thank you to Steph uh, and also presented by Frequency Podcast Network.